Excelsior! out there in the cbc universe it's your friendly neighborhood podcaster alfred and i've got chris the uncontested creator gossip with us and uh former guest on the show uh returning mighty marcus rocco the artist uh cartoonist gentlemen how are y'all doing i'm doing all right (laughs) that's great let's just try to do that the whole show let's let's all three of us talk at exactly the same time (laughs) Um, I know we are all in a bit of a tizzy uh, this week. This episode that we're doing here, of course, is a special episode uh, in remembrance of Stan Lee. Of course, the great creator, the uh, what many would say is like a godfather of comics, Stan Lee. Um, thank you both gentlemen for making time to do this emergency podcast that we're doing uh, tonight. There was a vigil here in San Antonio uh, that they did at the Alamo Draft House Park North location, um, which they even had. There's a video, by the way, live feed video on our Facebook page over at facebook.com forward slash Neil Before Pod. What a mediocre website. Um, the videos there uh, somebody from Alamo Draft House actually came out and said you know that this was important to them that it wasn't just about the movies Uh, and although the superhero films are such a big deal nowadays I mean literally the Marvel films but just superhero films in general are uh, are the highest grossing films of the year now Mm -hmm. and uh, but they wanted to speak to the fact that Stan Lee was bigger than the movies, and clearly he was an originator within the comics. Um, they had lots of people tell stories, and I'll share one in particular in a little bit uh, that was pretty touching and, and really interesting and sort of shows just how much and in how many different ways Stan Lee touched people. But before we go on any further, Chris, how did you feel when the news came down that Stan Lee had passed away? What was your first thought? Huh. I think I was at work uh, checking Twitter like a good employee should. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it just kind of struck me. as like, ah, wow, it's 95. That's uh, – I actually didn't – you know, I was – I knew he was old. I knew he was in the 90s. But uh, that's legendary. Like That's like pushing the limits of human capabilities. Uh, I think that's my first thought. It was just like, man, what a long, long life. Five more years and he would have been 100, but – just the amount of things that happened in that man's life is is total experiences. I mean, forget that he was a great storyteller. It's just that, yeah, he, he leaves behind such a such a legacy of entertainment, and uh, just his his life in general is so huge. Yeah, and I'm going to take the first <laughs> cheap cheap joke here because we are an uncensored podcast, but know know that this is all lovingly meant, uh, sort of tongue in cheek, at least for me. Uh, also surprising that he made it to 95 living in New York in the 70s and 80s, <laughs> where the cocaine mountains were large and plentiful. Um, you know, Marcus, you're an artist. Uh, Stanley is notorious. has uh, said many times over, he is not an artist. He would get very sort of flummoxed if people asked for him to draw something ever. 
uh, he used to draw these very crude stick figures uh, often. But, but even coming from sort of the diff, the, uh, the 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 you know, there's two main components to comic books. There's the writers and the artists, right? And and when when you've got talent working together on both sides, that's when you have real magic on the page. Coming from the artist realm, though, how did you, how did you feel when you heard the news of Stanley passing? Uh, instant sadness. I mean, to just. I, it took me a while for it to like hit home. Um, the first person that texted to me was my wife because she was probably on Twitter while she was at work, like a good employee. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> she 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 texted me first, and I was like, "No way!" And then as I started looking into seeing it, and then multiple sources started reporting it, I, yeah. I, kind of unreal, right? Just because, just because you know, growing up as an artist and growing up as fan of spider-man this is like one of my heroes mm-hmm. um i did i did get a chance to meet him mm-hmm. um we can talk about that a little bit later on here um but like just and just instant sadness <laughs> like that that's the only way i can yeah. really, uh really uh, uh describe it i don't i don't know how else to but i'm an artist and not a writer that's why i don't have many words <laughs> but uh uh from the artist's perspective i can't say that was one of the most admirable things about stanley because he could have i think as many times and as many opportunities as opportunities he had just to sit back and take in all every every bit of credit they gave him every time somebody tried to throw all the credit on him he would instantly throw it back on the artists and the directors and the actors and say you know i I thought of the characters, but everybody else brought it to life. Like that's kind of a revolving scheme with him. He was always willing to share the credit versus just, oh, I made Spider-Man and call it a day. And then, um, so I think as an artist, that's kind of one of the most admirable things I I, I feel from him from that that space in my life. Just because, you know, as easy as it would have been for him to suck up all the credit and mm-hmm. be bigger than life, he still was bigger than life while trying to credit everybody that was involved. You know, that's a really interesting point you bring up, and I definitely would say that that's true of Stan over the last two, three decades, uh, for sure. It's uh, it's kind of interesting because early on in his career, and there's a there's you know there's actually a book. Ah, um, oh man, and I'm slipping on the name right now, but it's like it's like the Marvel the Marvel way. I think it's this really long researched look into the creation of Marvel and the rise of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and, you know, Steve Ditko and Joe Simon. And it sort of talks about how, like, especially in the sixties, it seemed like Stan Lee was reticent. He was reluctant to share the credit that a lot of people felt that he was very self-promoting and, uh, but he, he, whether it was through, you know, becoming older and wiser or letting go of that ego, which is kind of funny because, like you said, he is a larger-than-life sort of character uh, on his own. As he got older, he definitely went back to give extra credits to Jack Kirby, to Steve Ditko, you know, to John Romita, and and all the other talented artists that he worked uh, with throughout his career. So I'm really... It, it warms... My heart to hear you say that that the the, uh, the artists don't see him as just this like this shuckster of a snake oil uh, salesman that that he was sort of portrayed as early earlier on in his in his career. 
so uh, one quick thing I wanted to share that that happened at the vigil uh, at the vigil is a gentleman uh, came out fully dressed in Iron Man cosplay. I mean, he had the light, uh, the arc reactor, the helmet, everything, you know. And he was talking about how he had a daughter who was also actually in a wasp cosplay. And I talked to her earlier, not knowing that, that they were related. But um, he had talked about how his daughter had, has cystic fibrosis. And apparently her condition was so severe at one point about six years ago that the, the Make-A-Wish Foundation came to them and wanted to grant them a wish. And her wish was to go to San Diego Comic-Con. So the family went to San Diego Comic-Con. She got to meet Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman and all these other hosts of celebrities. And his, the father is telling the story, right? And he's saying, you know, um, that she wasn't, you know, starstruck by anybody until she got to Stanley. <laughs> And she got to spend five minutes with him. And the first thing he tells her is, now, uh, you're not going to cry like the other little kid that just came by, are you? And, you know, just to, like, <laughs> break the ice. This is so funny. Uh, so, but it turns out this gentleman, uh, you know, and luckily, uh, thankfully, his, his daughter is still with him. He started a, a, a charity foundation that helps with children's illnesses. And it's called Cape Caps Crusaders. Which is really cool. I just I and he was inspired by I mean both by Make a Wish Foundation, but also by Stan Lee and the other celebrities that were there that that took their time to to spend time with his daughter. Chris, what do you think? And this is I mean this is gonna be a big question. So, uh -oh. but there's no wrong answers, you know, <laughs> except for all of the wrong answers. What is going to be Stan Lee's legacy? Huh. That's a really interesting one because uh, a lot of people now know him now just for the cameos in the MCU. Mm -hmm. um, he, you know, kind of like the grandpa of the whole thing. So I'm not too sure. There is a there's a lot of history. There's a lot of legacy going on. But um, I, I, I've seen kind of like hyperbolic statements being made in the past couple of days. Like, you know, he created an American mythos. Whoa, and, whoa uh, shots fired at Mark Twain. <laughs> Fuck you, Mark Twain. Okay. Yeah, Herman Melville, where you at? But <laughs> yeah, so um, I don't know. I, a really successful storyteller, a really successful businessman, I guess yeah. that might be the best way to frame it. Just because you, you, you can't deny how indelible he's made the Marvel brand, right? And that was all publication up until a decade ago. Yeah, it's really crazy that Iron Man, Kevin Feige, and you know Robert Downey Jr. and um, oh, go, Happy Hogan. What's his? What's the, he's got a real name? John Favs. John Favreau. Yeah, Favs. He's uh, that they were able to to take you know this thing that Stanley helped. I mean, literally created or co-created. But to, to shape it into this new medium. And I'm sure mm -hmm. we have it on the page. I know it's there. But there's a meme floating around. <laughs> oh. oh, man. I, this one, when the first time I saw it, I got a bit choked up. Uh, much like I am right now. Uh, it's, a, it's a Toy Story <laughs> meme. And it's the end of Toy Story 3 oh, yeah. where Andy is giving 
uh, all the toys to the little girl. I can't remember what her character's name is. But they've replaced the the heads with Stan Lee is Andy, the little girl is Kevin Feige, and then the you know they've changed the words like, "Oh Kevin, I'm gonna need you to take care of these for me because I have to go away now." And you know, and this is Scarlet Witch, and this is Doctor Strange, and this is what he, and then he looks in the box, and the last character in there is Spider Man, and he's like, "Spidey, <laughs> what are you doing here?" And he's like, "You can't go with me. You you need to be here and show everyone the way, and you know whatever." And oh man, that one really got me. But that's kind of right now at least in this moment in 2018 seems like the right take like it seems like Kevin Feige is the right person to continue this legacy hmm. with these characters in this new medium because unfortunately you know the number the publishing numbers show it people don't read as much uh, they don't read comics as much but they just don't read in general and it, it's, it's becoming a lot, it's becoming more of a visual medium society that we live in. Whatever, that's a whole nother issue in podcasts that we could do. <laughs> but my point is, is that it seems like he, Kevin, this is, I mean, Kevin Feige has taken the essence of these characters and continues to really do honor to them and and, and to change them in small ways or in sometimes larger ways, but to continue their their core character dynamic. So that's really interesting. I think Marcus Stanley, uh, you know, he, he, he's known as a storyteller, of course, as a comic writer, uh, in more, just like Chris said earlier in recent years, he's probably more well known for the cameo work. If you could have Stanley touch one character let's just say like a dc character that he didn't ever like because he didn't really he never worked for dc i know he did like a really brief one shot thing where he did some of their characters uh i think it was called stanley's just imagine but if he got to do let's say you could port him back to 1965 right at the height of his creative power what dc character would you have liked to have seen him do if any uh see that's hard because i i think stan was was mostly known for not going the safe route not going the route that other people went right, right. i think he 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 most a lot of times he would create a character that nobody thought he would create right he created a superhero that had a ton of flaws and was named after a spider why people hated spiders right, right? so right. <laughs> like like he he always went like whatever was safe he was like i don't want to go safe i want to go different right iron man is is was well was an alcoholic <laughs> and a womanizer and that was the hero that he created out of iron man so i mean i don't know if if, if he would be able to dc characters are very uh i'm not gonna say boring and piss off a whole bunch of people but they're very stay true to the uh superhero genre of they're all good you know batman is a little dark now, but he didn't get dark until the Dark Knight. At first, he was, you know, um, just a superhero. Just uh, Superman's always been like the ep epitome of superheroes. So I don't, I don't know if I would want DC to touch anything like that. If if I could have Stanley just touch any character that exists in the universe, okay, yeah. I I think I think I just want him to 
touch like Mickey Mouse. Like, what would Stan Lee do wow. with Mickey Mouse, right? That's a great... would, would Mickey Mouse still be who he is if, if Stan Lee, you know, got to put some of his storytelling? Mm-hmm. Or would he fall on really, really bad hard times and still... <laughs> still be the cheerful mouse that he is that we all know and love right so that's, i think that's where i would would want him to go what a great answer and, and i mean awesome segue because a lot of people compare stan lee sort of as like the modern day walt disney like that that's maybe the the only other comp right the only comparable person creatively that that you know that created this universe that still exists and holds true. Like, of course, the Walt Disney Empire, which, ironically enough, I guess, owns, ironically enough, owns <laughs> Marvel now. Um, yeah, that's great, man. I don't. Yeah, that's a good question, Chris. What do you What do you think he would have done with the mouse? What do you... Yeah, I kind of, I kind of like that take. Like, uh, you know, he, the mouse puts on a brave face by day. Then he's at work. He's trying to make people happy. But he gets, but he gets home and he just lives in a really shabby apartment somewhere in, in uptown New York. Uh, cockroaches everywhere, and he's buying like you know Pilsner, like really cheap beer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like he has a picture of Minnie Mouse, but he doesn't actually yeah. know Minnie Mouse. She's just yeah, like yeah. she's just like <laughs> no, somebody no. that works at the grocery store or something. <laughs> he, he, he takes off his gloves, and you can see like a there, there's a wedding band like tan line. Oh no! There's no there's no, <laughs> there's no ring. <laughs> oh jeez! <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean sure, cool. I mean, <laughs> wow, guys, way to. <laughs> I don't. There are no words. I have nothing. I mean, why, should, why should anything be good ever? I mean, Stanley <laughs> is dead, so <laughs> we've clearly run out of goodness in the world. I mean, uh... or a lot more magic. Yeah. Uh, so it came out, and for listeners of the podcast probably already know this because i believe we've talked about it before but they they did have the foresight to record a lot of the stanley cameos i think they recorded maybe three or four of them in advance they've already confirmed that there is in fact going to be a stanley cameo in avengers 4 Mm -hmm. my question uh to you marcus is if it's this, it could be the same answer, but it could be two different answers. Or I'll, I'll ask you this one. I'll ask you this one. What What do you think that cameo is going to be for Stanley in Avengers Four? What do you think it's going to um, be? I don't, I don't know what it. His cameos were always so so sporadic right right and i don't i don't really know what it's gonna be I, I mean i can guess all day long but i'm probably not gonna come close i know what i don't want it to be i don't want it to be him fading away <laughs> like oh like dusting fade away <laughs> then i'm just gonna lose my mind <laughs> <laughs> so, i i don't want him being snapped uh that's for sure yeah um uh I, I don't. I don't really know. It's I, hard. I mean, because he it, was like what a delivery man in one. Like it's just right. Like I, Tony Stank. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Yep. This is Tony Stank. This is, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, Chris, let me ask you. Yeah. What do you want Stanley's cameo to be in Avengers Four? Huh. What do I want it to be? Uh, most of the government has been snapped away. Uh, for some reason, they're included in the half that was dust. And uh, he's just assuming control of the government. 
So in this universe, it's just Stanley gets to control the. the... Yeah, yeah. That's nice. I mean, yeah. Okay. Uh, Somebody has to be in charge. Yeah, I. So this has nothing to do with the cameo, but this is something that I would like them to do. Um, so you know, we joke. And it's really like not. It's less of a joke and more like a. This probably might happen. Uh, that somebody from Marvel Studios listens to the podcast. Uh, that's why it's the it's the only reason why it's still on the air, uh, and that's they have the really cool Marvel Marvel Studios banner thing that pops up before the movie starts, right? And it used to be this thing where the comic book pages were like flipping, right? And but now it's like all the movie, it's all the movie images, and it says Marvel Studios, and the little ten pops up because it's been ten years. Mm-hmm. I would love for them; they can keep that. I mean, that's fine. I would love for it to now at the end of that, you don't even have to show him. It would be cool if they showed him in some way, but if you just heard him say Excelsior. Yeah. Bef- like right at the end of that little banner treatment before the movie starts, that would be amazing. If just, and this was, this would be across all Marvel films, whether, I mean, Fox is again, now owned by Disney. God, they're just taking everything. Uh, but <laughs> you know, in front of Deadpool, in front of everything, in front of everything that they can put it in front of, I would be cool if, if they could at least use some kind of audio cue, if not also maybe a visual of Stanley in some capacity. Oh, I, what, I got it. I yeah. got it. While you're talking, it hit me. Actually, two things. Okay. Number one, I, I decided what I want my cameo to be. I want when the characters start coming back and Spider-Man comes back, I want Stan Lee to be the one that brings him back. I don't know how or where, but I want Stan Lee to be greeting him when he comes back. Okay. I think uh. that, would, that, that, that would be good, and I'd probably uh, <laughs> dissolve to a bunch of mush. Yeah. Right? Uh, You'd have to bring a box of Kleenex with you as the premium, so you don't, you know, get your nose all red. Yeah, and then um, I also I read something today, kind of messed me up, right? And it said if if you if you ever met Stanley in your life, he's cameoed your life. I was like, oh, oh. that's pretty awesome. Oh my god, yeah, wow, that is, oh man. So I I. I feel like the. I mean, for once, I feel like it is appropriate to talk about because I always feel like it's a brag. But I've brought it up before. I had the the fortunate uh, experience of being able to briefly interview Stan Lee back when I was at UT Austin. Um, I only got to spend a few minutes with him, but he's just he was the warmest person, and just wanted to share. I always got the sense that he wanted to share whatever he thought might entertain someone in the moment. You know, like it's almost as if that were his job, but not not in a begrudging way, but just like that was naturally what he was meant to do was hmm. to bring a smile to people's faces or to entertain them. It It's really hard to explain, but that is definitely like the vibe that I got. And... You know, something that you, you spoke to it earlier, Marcus, that was great about Stan is that he took a lot of chances, you know, whether it's the X-Men uh, being uh, sort of like an allegory for racism 
in America. Uh, he took on Daredevil to create a character that that was what the term that they would have used then. I think was handicapped. Um, you know, but someone with an impairment. And to me, that all speaks back to Stanley's sort of core. Uh, core characteristic which is he was inclusive he wanted everyone to get along and to be together and to be unified and to share in this experience of life and really enjoy our time on life and make the most of it and the best of it you know I saw a meme it showed uh, Bob Ross and Jim Henson and uh, Fred Rogers and Stan Lee. I feel like there was one more. Do either of you guys recall that meme? Uh, uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Uh, Ron Jeremy? Is he dead? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, wasn't uh, oh, it was um, the animal yeah. dude. Oh, Steve Irwin. The animal dude. Yeah, Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they each represented, like, a different tenant of, like, harmonious living. And, and Stan's was creativity. <sighs> you know, if this podcast seems a bit rambly, it's because we don't, uh, there wasn't meant to be a lot of structure for this. Uh, I will, I'm going to go back to the vigil. I spoke to uh, a lady who works for Dragon's Lair and, you know, uh, you know, y'all mentioned earlier that Stan all right, Chris, I think you mentioned this, that, you know, he was 95, but he, he felt, you felt like he could get to 100, right? Like, mm. that's not other... So this woman, Bridget, that works for Dragon's Lair, she said that was kind of the most surprising thing. She, she said that I always felt like he was invincible, that he was always going to be there, that you would see him on the red carpet when a, when a movie came out, or you would see him at a convention, or wherever but he would just pop up and, and say something mm-hmm. fun and witty and you know you'd be like oh yeah stan stanley uh you know i talked to ignacio of course the og ig and he wishes uh, that he could have been on this particular pod we might try to sneak him in on a separate segment for this one anyway but one thing he did want to stress was that hey man the guy lived to be 95 and he got to do so much, so much so that he left so many characters for us to enjoy, for us to be inspired by. And it's not a situation like with a David Bowie or Prince, you know, where you have these incredibly talented people that that leave us so early in their lives. We're like, what else could they have created? Do you think... Chris, I'll ask you, do you think that mm-hmm. because the heyday of Stanley's truly creative prowess was in the 60s and maybe early 70s, that he's mostly, for the last two decades, been known as just Stan the Man Lee, like as a, almost like a character of himself. Do you think people will displace that creative output that he actually had? Uh, because people associate him more with the movies now, or do you think it's going to be an equal timeshare, or what? What do you think is going to become of his 
huh. of all of that. Yeah, I really hope they don't kind of like discredit it or like uh, just are unaware of it. I mean, it's boggling to the mind. I used to get by um, whenever <laughs> whenever there's like a classroom management situation, I had to get control of a new valley where I where we worked at before. I would spit some bars. I would you know spit some Wu Tang. And the kids had no idea who the Wu Tang Clan is. Mm -hmm. They had no idea who Red Man or some, even sometimes Jay Z. Um, oh, so it was no. a real quick way to, How old are to we? get. The, yeah, it was a real quick way to get their attention to get them to sit, sit down, shut the fuck up. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I fear that that's kind of what's going to happen. Like, um, like as the print side kind of gets less and less popular, as as you know, as these characters like, oh, Black Panther. I thought that was just a movie. Um, as that starts to happen, that might that might be. Uh, might be the way it goes down but um i think it's pretty remarkable that if you look at these comics if you dig a little bit further than just the you know box office results um you're gonna find stanley's name everywhere i mean it's probably gonna still be on the executive producer list for all these things too so i, I really hope that um people don't yeah to be this creative for that long <laughs> that's that's i rack my brain trying to you know finish one short story so <laughs> i I really don't know how it can be done. A really cool thing. I, I completely agree with, with everything you just said. A really cool thing that, and who knows how much of this was uh, hyperbole or not, but Stanley said that, that like 90% of his written work he, he did in one sitting. Like he would tell one story and he would do the story. He wouldn't get up until he finished writing that story or Jesus. that comic or whatever, which is crazy. But... If you hear him the way he tells stories, you could believe it mm -hmm. because he's just such a natural narrator, uh, such a composer of narrative. It's pretty crazy. I think ultimately what might happen with Stan Lee's creations is that sort of the way we look at the, the Greek gods of myth, right? Like Zeus and Hercules and, you know, uh, um, I can't think of another one. Wow. <laughs> wow, really? Okay, Medusa, like uh, Orpheus, Hermes. and the Argonauts. Yeah, Hermes. You know, just, Macho okay. Man Randy Savage. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was the worst Macho Man impression of all time. Um, <laughs> I think we might get to a point where people will, will know and remember the characters and probably their core tenants, but they might not. Unfortunately, they might not remember that Stan Lee was the one that sort of created them or co-created them. We might get to a point where those characters will never leave, but maybe the source of them will, will be lost to time. I don't think that'll happen in our lifetime though. Uh, Marcus, you were about to say something? I, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I honestly, so coming from a different segment of society, right? The creators, the creatives, I think there's, there's, there's definitely a, a part of the world that might forget that, right? There is a part of the world that it's they're gonna lose that source, but then there's that other part, um, part that I belong to, and I believe y'all belong to it, and a lot of people listening belong to it. That that create because it's just in our our blood and in our system to create. Like we just mm -hmm. want to make stuff, mm -hmm. and I think when those people get a hold of it, they and they start digging, right? Because as a creative, you start digging. Where does this come from? Mm -hmm. And they start uncovering Stan Lee. And start looking into him. I think that's where his his legacy, that's where his storytelling is going to lead. Because you're going to sit back and be like, this one guy made pretty much everything that we sit on today that we 
consider a superhero, right? Um, he touched his hand was in as was in all everything that's Marvel. So I think that's kind of where where there will be a certain part of the world that forgets, but there's always going to be that other part that carries them on and on. Because as as the world grows, and I, I know if I've seen it, um, and as we've shifted our mind shifted to where creativity is more valued now than it used to be, right? Before it used to be like, no, grow up and get a real job, cut your hair and get a real job, right? Mm-hmm. But now it's like, no, grow up and start your own business or grow up and be an artist, right? Like that's, there's a lot more of that now. And I think because there's a lot more of that, the world is going to shift a little bit. And, and a lot more people are going to actually look at Stanley for his creations as we go. Like, the idea is going to go away on certain segments, but it's still going to be carried on from here and forever. Uh, as long as there's creativity, I think his, his name's always going to be one that people uh, uh, reference and look through and dig into and, and study. Awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, incredibly well said. I I think it's you, you touch on something there that's a little bit ironic too because Stan Lee, who was of course born uh, Stanley Martin Lieber, right? That's his. That was his given government name, and he went by the pseudonym Stanley because he always wanted to be a a a real writer, a traditional writer, and he didn't want his name originally associated with funny books. Like, so it's kind of interesting that you you say. You know, as long as creatives are around and they do the digging, it's going to keep popping up. And it's funny because because of Stan Lee, like almost more than anybody else in the comic industry. I mean, probably, arguably, because of Stan Lee, comics are permanent. There are there are per, there's a permanence mm-hmm. to them in our culture. I won't go as far as as like you said, Chris. Some of the people that have said that he created American mythos or whatever. <laughs> But but I would say that he is a firm firm hand like a like a teenage boy firm hand on Wow. Wow. <laughs> two hand grip. Two hands grip like let's some blood flow. Um just a firm hand in creating the permanence of comics in American culture and culture at large. It's yeah, a, it's a sure. real thing now, you know, and it has been for a long time. Even if the publishing side has dwindled, the movie side and sort of just what do they call that in like Hollywood? The Q Q rating, the Q score, and it, it's like how relevant something is in pop culture. Huh. I think that's what it's called. Uh, comic book. The comic book characters have an incredibly high Q score now. Yeah. Yeah, actually, it was on Twitter, kind of like uh, sifting through everybody's Stan Lee memorial tributes, whatever tribute tweets. Uh, and one kind of thing stood out to me. I got a quote here, if you if you don't mind me, sure, sure, reading sure, it. of course. Yeah, yeah, it's from Stan Lee himself. Uh, he says, "I used to be embarrassed because I was just a comic book writer, while other people were building bridges or going on to aren't going on to medical careers. And then I began to realize entertainment is one of the most important things in people's lives. Without it, they might go off the deep end." I feel that if you're able to entertain people, you're doing a good thing. Yeah, that's that kind of. And you know what's so funny? I hadn't seen that quote, um, but that kind of re- that reminds me of, like I said, the vibe that I got when I talked to him. Mm-hmm. That like he he, and again, it was. I want to stress that it wasn't forced in any way. It didn't feel like he owed it to me, or or anything, or he did it like cynically. 
But it right. felt like he naturally felt that his core directive was to like be entertaining and to just to be engaging, and he was so good at it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, that's probably the only way he could breathe. <laughs> Ah <laughs> uh, man, is, uh, was it his uh, shirts too tight or what? How's the rest of the? <laughs> I, I don't remember. I Why are you always so loud, Juggernaut? Yeah, <laughs> I can't attest. That's that's how he was when I met him too. It was like I, I I don't know if he was putting on a show for me. Well, hey, I know when when I met him, they were like just walk up there, smile, take the picture, and walk walk away. And I was like, yeah, this is Stan Lee. That's not gonna happen, guys. Right. So I walked. <laughs> I walked up and I shook his hand and I stood there talking to him, you know, for about, you know, 30 seconds. And then I had a, a Spider-Man uh, a picture I drew, handed it over to him. And he's like, this is excellent. And then he was like, I'll hold it up in the picture. So he held oh. it up in the picture we took together. And then as I'm walking away, I kind of glanced back and he's putting it in his jacket. And I was like, I, he could have walked to his hotel room and tossed it in the trash as soon as he got there. I was like, but just the fact that he did that in front of me he said a lot more about him than I think that, like, that anybody else could have told me. Like, all the stories I would have heard, I would have been like, oh, yeah, I, I hear good stories, but I, I don't think that I would have actually believed it till I was there and saw it in person, because he mm-hmm. was really genuine, and and I I think he was truly entertained, and even when, you know, so uh, I was just, you know, this was four years ago, I was still learning how to draw guys. <laughs> so it's not necessarily a great Spider-Man picture, but it's a Spider-Man picture. That's so but awesome. But the fact that he, yeah. he, he he entertained me and liked it and, you know, shook my hand, uh, you know, and, and, and took the picture with me, it was, it was, it was amazing. And I think that's always going to be kind of what I remember and how I kind of spread his legacy, right? Like, he just wanted... He as much as we loved him, I, I really feel like he loved his fans as much as as we loved him. So, yeah. and and for being a celebrity that big, I think that's you know a way to live life that a lot of people sh- uh, should should adopt. Right, should aspire to be. Yeah, it's it's great. You know, I, um, what was I going to say? That's really touching, though, that he would, and that's, and that's the thing. There are some people out there that say, you know, oh, Stanley was was the fakest person. You know, there's no way he could be that genuine um, with his fans. But I feel like, I feel like maybe those. And this is just my take. You can disagree with me, but you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> the the people that feel that way, it's like they can't fathom him being that genuine because maybe they're not that genuine of people. And, and oh, shit. yeah, because the, the thing is <laughs> like Marcus's story, like the story I have, I heard a good eight other stories just tonight at the, at the vigil. And, and there's countless more stories online of people sharing stories just like that with all of these, these small interactions with Stan Lee but where they just came away like, wow, this guy made me feel like I was the most important person in the room. To be able to do that th- literally thousands of times over the last few years is crazy. Um, I wanted to read a few comments that we got on our Facebook page. Uh, one from uh, one of our listeners, Jim uh, Gilliam, says, Stan Lee was the greatest and best thing to ever happen to Marvel or comics, period. The MCU will never be the same again. I would like to say thank you, Stan Lee, for allowing us into your beautiful imagination. 
and showing us what it means to be a hero. You will forever be remembered and deeply missed. Uh, Daniel Bailey also, just very concisely, but we'll touch on, on what this actually means, says, rest in peace to the one above all. Now, the one above all is a character in the comic Marvel Comics universe that is above everything else, above Galactus and Eternity and Thanos and the Celestials and everything. Uh, the one above all is both exists in the universe, but also outside of it. And people have always uh, tried to gather, is it Jack Kirby? Is it supposed to be Stan Lee? You know, is it supposed to be God? Like if you, you know, if you believe in like a Christianity or, or other religion, like is it like a God character? Um, and it's kind of interesting because for a long, long time, I think people were pretty cemented on the it's Jack Kirby, you know, for whatever reasons, people were like, okay, it's Jack Kirby. But now I, I almost feel like by default, it's going to be attributed to Stan Lee. Um, one last one I want to read. Uh, it's, it's from my mom. <laughs> but, you know, this is not <laughs> lip service, guys. My mom is a legitimate hardcore fan. For anyone who's had the pleasure of meeting her, she dresses up. This is her jam. She loves this stuff. She was very upset at the passing of Stanley. Literally, when I was the one that, that made her aware of it, I told her. And her response to me literally was, no, 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 no. Like, she just reactively did not want to believe it. And and I, I get that. But anyway, so she says... Thank you, Mr. Stan Lee, for all the great superheroes that you created for us to enjoy. You will forever be remembered. Thank you, number one superhero, Stan Lee. Um, and that's interesting. And that, that'll that'll bring me to the last part of this podcast, which is the idea that... And I, I don't have the quote in front of me. Chris, if you happen to have it, I don't know if you do, but... Stanley said something to the effect he does it actually in one of the cameos. I think it's in Spider-Man three. It's in Spider-Man three. Mm-hmm. He he saves somebody, and he says something to the effect of anybody can save someone. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it was, um, you know I that? guess I guess yeah. I guess one person can make a difference. I guess one person can make a difference. And my mom calling Stanley a superhero isn't untrue. Uh, even if he didn't have superpowers in the way that it's portrayed in comic books, he was able to touch so many people's lives to inspire so many people to do all of these great and wonderful things. Uh, just like the gentleman tonight who started a charity, you know, um, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if Stanley didn't exist. Marcus, yeah. I, I, I mean, I know Disney Walt had a big influence on you, um, but I would. It might be fair to say that if comic books didn't exist the way that Stanley created them, you might be doing something different as well. Maybe that's that's true. So, it's it's Stan's whole thing was to to Excelsior, right to to live up to the expectation of greatness, to be bold, to be adventurous, to make the most of our lives, to continue to turn the page, to get to the next panel, and to do good in our lives. And I think 
no matter what, whether the characters go away, whether the attributions of the writings go away, I think the fact that you even have a character like Harry Potter, right? J.K. Rowling, Fantastic Beasts comes out this week. By the way, saw sneak peek. It's amazing. I people some people don't like it. I I think it's pretty great. Uh, they do a really cool thing in the movie. I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah, no no spoilers. It's I'm going to see it again. Bianca was floored. Um, anyway, I'm off. I'm getting off topic. Harry Potter, as a character, has so many qualities that are familiar to anyone who's ever read a Spider-Man comic book. This desire to jump into the fray, to save the ones he loves, to value life, to to be so selfless, ha- I feel like in some part has to be even has to have been inspired by some of Stanley's work. I haven't seen a quote from J.K. on this yet. I I haven't done a lot of research to look for it, but but those kind of archetypes that are so strong in comics, that are so strong in so many of Stanley's characters. That stuff will live on. That's the stuff that we take with us to in our lives, in our daily interactions with other people and what we do creatively, Marcus, like you said. And as we put that energy out into the universe, Stan will never truly be gone. Uh, Chris, I'll I'll go to Mm -hmm. you first and then Marcus, any last words and thoughts on Stan Lee? Uh... Man, yeah, just to to have like a, just a taste of that creativity that would be so great. Just to have a like the stick-to-itiveness to keep at it for year after year after year. That's that's a pretty superhuman feat to me. So um, I, I, I'm in awe of the man. Uh, I, I I respect his his uh, creativity and 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 I guess payload uh, the the work he was able to put out. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's a great universe that we get to be a part of that he created. Very well said. Marcus, your uh, final thoughts on Stanley? Anything you care to say or share? <laughs> uh, final thoughts would be uh, two things. Um, number one, I, I guess my biggest Stanley regret in life would, would be I never got to sit down crisscross applesauce while looking at him telling me a story. I thought that 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 was kind of like one of my bucket list things mm-hmm. where I was like, if I don't get the opportunity just to sit down and watch him tell a story live on the carpet, right? Like a, like a five-year-old, like the way my son sits down now, <laughs> why make up stories about whatever book he gives me? <laughs> Cause I've read those books a hundred times. So now I'm making up my own stories. <laughs> like I, I was never <laughs> able to do that for Stan Lee, but you know, that the, I, in a way I did since, you know, I spent so many so many, so much of my time reading the comic books and the characters he created, and still to this day read those, which kind of brings me to my next, uh, my next point here is um, uh, in in honor of Stanley, uh, me and a couple of guys that are that are uh, regulars at a local comic shop, the Collector's Authority, um, that's on Military Drive. Um, we we put out a box um, for people can donate comic books. And once that box gets filled up, we're going to um, drop it off to kids to kind of honor Stanley's idea of storytelling and sharing stories. Figured this was the one thing we can do to kind of honor that. And um, I, I mean, I, I didn't know him personally, but I feel like he would dig the fact that we are taking stories and, and, and putting them out into that world um, the best way we know how with comic books. So 
it is the box is at collector's authority so stop in and you can bring in your old comics or you can buy comics in the shop and put them in that box that's a really wonderful uh idea and execution of that idea uh it warms my heart that, that that's something you know already directly and sort of inspired by uh stanley's passing that's that's really great that's a fantastic idea um, I will. I actually am going to start gathering some books to uh, to put in that box. So for sure. So everybody that's on Military Drive, Collector's Authority, um, yeah, and say hi to Marcus if you see him there because he uh, he frequents the shop. You know, ask him to draw you a Spidey. He he might do it, or he might, <laughs> or he might charge you fifty dollars, but he might still do it. <laughs> the mighty Wednesday Marcus does around. what he wants. Wednesdays around four o'clock is normally when you can find me in there. <laughs> that's that's when I gotta go pick up my books. Yeah, man, you're one of those guys. How huh? you're a Wednesday guy, like gotta get them the the week of Wednesday warrior. So I, I'm one of the worst worst collectors. I I pick them all up, and then once I get like seven or eight, once I get the art, then I read them because yeah. I can't. It's hard for me to wait a month to get the next part, so I read in arcs. But yeah. um, I, I still pick up religiously. That's good. I mean, <laughs> you could be like Chris and I, where we just have stacks of stuff all over the place. Yeah. Remember when you were like, "Hey, I got comic boxes now," and I'm like, "Cool, man, those aren't going to do you any good." And you're like, "What?" And then you're I, I, like, I think your exact words were, "Oh, that's how the sickness starts." Yes. <laughs> yeah, it uh, but what a wonderful sickness to have. Thank you, Stan, <laughs> for everything. There's just, I mean, just thank you. And thank you, listeners, for coming on this journey with us. Uh, feel free to comment below any thoughts you might have on Stan Lee. Um, you know, I know some of his, there were some allegations about things. Um, we may touch on some of that stuff, both uh, kind of, for and against Stan um, about like things that happened to him and things he may have been a part of. We may touch on that in a future episode uh, when we talk about sort of the unspoken things within the comic industry, but that wasn't what this particular pod was going to be about. Um, but thank you listeners for being on this journey with us. And until next time, the fortress of potitude is closed. Stay super everyone. Stay long strong. And can we, can we end on a rendition of Amazing Grace by Chris? Go ahead. <laughs> you got it, buddy. Stan Lee! <laughs> <laughs>